Hi there, it's episode 176, and today we have a conversation with my favorite person on earth, my husband. You are listening to the Simple Families Podcast, a Q&A style show that brings you solutions for living well with family. Here's your host, Danae Barahona. Hi there, it's Danae. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is episode 176 of the Simple Families podcast, and it's my birthday week. So in honor of my birthday, we are going to have an interview with my husband. So my husband has never appeared on the podcast before. I wasn't really sure if this was something that you all would be interested in, but I occasionally do research by doing some Google searches to see what people are looking for on the Simple Families podcast. So I'll search Simple Families and see what's being searched, and then I'll search my name, Danae Barahona, and see what's being searched. And for over a year, the top search coming up is Danae Barahona Husband. So apparently there are some inquiring minds, a lot of inquiring minds who want to know a little bit more about my husband, David. Therefore, in today's episode, we're talking a little bit more about who he is, his thoughts on parenting and marriage. Before we get into today's episode, here is a quick word from this week's sponsor. The sponsor this week is Prep Dish. So what is PrepDish? PrepDish is a meal planning service, and I had my doubts about whether I would need something like this. I mean, there's no shortage of online recipes out there, but I found that it was immensely useful to me right away. So the difference between going out onto Pinterest and finding some recipes versus using this meal planning service is that it's already curated for you. So you get the list each week of the recipes that you're going to be making And at the beginning of the list is the ingredients. You go out, buy your ingredients. You might order them if you do online grocery delivery. And then you have a prep day where you spend an hour or two prepping the dishes for the week. And once you've done all the prepping, all the chopping, all the pre-cooking that you can do, on dish day, it really just takes 10 or 15 minutes to assemble an amazing home-cooked meal. If your kids have a witching hour like mine, this is an amazing option. So I encourage you to try it. Go to PrepDish.com forward slash families and you'll get two weeks free. Again, that's PrepDish.com forward slash families. Before we get into this episode with my husband, I wanted to announce that we are going to be opening a new round of the Mental Unload. Enrollment starts October 31st and you'll be hearing more about this next week. The Mental Unload is a short-term program that's focused on lightening your load, particularly as it comes to parenthood. This Above and Beyond is my favorite program that I run, and I would love to have you as a part of it. So stay tuned. This program officially launches again on November 7th. We're doing a pre-holiday round to slow down before the busyness of the holiday season. And enrollment opens next week. You can get more details at simplefamilies.com forward slash unload. Without further ado, here's my conversation with my husband, David, and we're answering all of your questions. Hi, David. Welcome to the show. Hey, Danae. How are you? Good. I hear you're a longtime listener. Uh, I I have been a longtime listener <laughs> in more ways than uh, you can imagine. So <laughs> thanks. So uh, you listen to every episode, right? Or at least you tell me you do. No, I do. I do. You do. Okay, yeah. good. And yeah. usually you give me like feedback, like mostly, solicited or unsolicited. <laughs> mostly positive. Um, would you say that I take negative feedback well? No. <laughs> I have a lot of room for improvement there, especially okay. when it comes from you. For some reason, I, I shut your your feedback down sometimes, don't I? I try to get you in the right time of day because I, I definitely have picked up on cues of like, 
hey, <laughs> this is not a good time for constructive uh, feedback. So Right. Well, and usually when you are giving me feedback on the podcast, my feedback to you is you're not my ideal audience. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Taken. Point taken. Right. So uh, you don't, this isn't your typical type of podcast, but you do listen to it because it's mine. Of course. But you don't listen to any, any other parenting podcast, right? Uh, no, okay. I do not. Um, so what do you listen to? So, uh, my routine is every, so I'm very structured and I like routine. So every morning on the way to work, uh, I listen to the daily. Um, and you know, once a week I'll listen to, uh, business and technology podcast pivot, which is with Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway. Um, some really good, interesting, uh, ideas on the tech world. Um, and then I also listen to sometimes Tim Ferriss. That was kind of my first, I would call it like gateway drug into podcasting. Uh, and then I kind of listen to a lot of sustainability podcasts, more like technical or business related podcasts. And, and then, you know, the occasional on road trips, I listen to kind of like narrative podcasts, but, um, not, not too many parenting. I, I feel like I get my healthy dose of parenting. <laughs> Uh, advice and, know, over, and wisdom, overdose. <laughs> yeah, from uh, sure. listening to you once a week, but uh, it's good. Yeah, listening to me once a week—that's all you listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> selective listening, we'll call it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I have a bunch of questions from audience members, and yeah. I'm gonna—I'm not—we're not gonna be able to get to them all, but um, I'll start with a comment from em- Emily and Olivia, who said. Who's David, your husband? All this, all this time, and I didn't even know his name. Uh, so I guess just explaining that a little bit, I don't use any of my kids' names, and I don't use my husband's name, which I'm using it today, David. Um, coming clean on that. Mostly just for privacy reasons, and I feel like it's not necessarily something that it's on a need-no basis. So I'm happy to use your name today. But generally speaking, I don't ever use my kids' names. So and it's now not a lot, like, of, a lot more people now need to know. Right. <laughs> So apparently people have been Googling, wanting to know more about you, which yeah. is the sort of the, the, what, what has driven this recording. So why but, not, okay. So I will say, though, that you know, there are some professional athletes and celebrities where you type in their names, like males, yeah. and it will say, you know, I don't know, John Travolta, wife. Really? Yeah. Have yeah. you been Googling John Travolta lately? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just, for some weird reason, he was the first person that came to my mind. Okay. But yeah, sure. Right. So people, I guess people are just curious. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, okay. So start by telling us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Um, I, I guess starting from when I was born, uh, I was born in the Washington, D.C. area in Northern Virginia. Uh, went to school with you in Ohio and... Uh, then came back and worked um, in the restaurant industry for a couple of years, and then went. Uh, we moved together after we got married to uh, get a graduate degree in uh, MBA out of um, in Chicago area. And then after that, I've been working for a um, large global food and beverage company for the past seven and a half years, close to that. All right, so rewind for a minute and answer the question, how did we meet? How do we meet? So we actually met, uh, so I was in a fraternity and I was one of like the pledge uh, president, pledge, cl- pledge class presidents. Uh, basically, it doesn't really mean anything. Um, but uh, because of that, I went to a Greek leadership program 
And when I went there, I saw you and you were there along with a whole bunch of other people. And um, that's where I first met you. Right. Yeah. So I was in a sorority. You were in a fraternity. I was, we were both 19. Uh, Uh, We didn't, when we met and then I think we were 19 and 20 when we started dating. Yep. Um, But I instantly knew that you were interesting to me for some reason. I couldn't put my finger on it. And then we went on a date. (laughs) (laughs) We went on a date and you totally creeped me out. (laughs) So we didn't talk for a while, a while after that. And then we went on a second date, and I'm not sure what drove that second date, but we went on a second date. Well, but date. who reached out to who? On then the I reached date? out to you. Okay, right. I was a little That's bit right. desperate. I needed a date for um, a sorority right. event, and I reached out to you, and I said, hey, David, will you come with me on this date? And then it was after the second date that I knew that I wanted to marry you. Oh, wow. So first date, you, you creeped yeah. me out. Second date. Oh, good. <laughs> I, I knew that That's quite I wanted a turnaround story, you. huh? Yeah. I'm pretty decisive. <laughs> so I knew after the second date, and I actually sort of like, um, I kind of hinted at it to you, and not in a way that I wanted you to get it, but um, I totally understood that and totally picked up on that. Didn't right? I? No, you didn't, because yeah. you were yeah. a twenty-year-old male. <laughs> so then we we dated for a really long time. I always like to say I knew on our second date that I wanted to marry you, and it took you seven years. So, but I think that's kind of evident in just the way that our brains work and in the way we approach life. Is took a couple of seasons, for me. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm a fast processor. I move quickly and you tend to take more time and be a little bit more intentional about everything in life. I like to call it thoughtful. Thoughtful. Yes. Yeah. 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 So next question is how did you propose? Ah, okay. Um, so we had talked about kind of the next step and, you know, we've been dating for a while. Um, and by that he means that we've had the, the S-H-I-T or get off the pot sort of <laughs> yeah. conversation a couple yeah. times in a polite and kind way. Yes. Um, yeah. But so, and then Danae, um, you went to go study uh, Spanish in Peru for a couple months. And so I thought like it was a good time to kind of go to that next step and then uh, I went to go visit you, and on the way there, I decided to bring a ring and propose to you, and I wanted to do it in like a super romantic, like cool way that it would be memorable and you know very. You know, we could like tell our kids about. It. Like I had this very romantic idea of how I was going to do this, um, and so I was like, okay, what I'm going to do is we're going to take this awesome outdoor hike that's like in the middle of the Urumbamba Valley, which is like you know super dramatic landscape and. Uh, and then when we get down to the hike, it's, I don't know how long it was, like four hours or something like that. It's a long hike. Um, you know, we, we get to a hotel, and then from there we could kind of relax and like enjoy like the moment, you know? Um, but what I didn't realize is that it rained a lot going into the hike. So, you know, think of super steep cliffs. Um, the trail was not really marked. It was not in good condition at all so there was landslides kind of all over the place and it was like this is really sketchy right but uh, and the le- locals all told us as we were approaching the village like, that no, like, no. Yeah, they're like, don't do this hike don't go like, on this hike. what are you doing yeah um, and i said okay well we're not doing it then and you pressed on and you said no we are doing this hike. i was very i was very insistent about going down because i'm like you know darn it, I'm going to go down the hill and I'm going to propose to you. Or I, they're going to find our bodies and I'm going to have a ring in my pocket. <laughs> and they're going to think, what was he doing taking his, you know, this woman that he may have been proposing to um, on this really sketchy hike? But so, anyways, so I got down on one knee and 
did the traditional, you know. But beforehand, I do have to say, beforehand, I did ask your parents. Yeah. That was very important for me. Right. And we made it out alive. Yeah. Yeah. And we got married about a year later. Did, yeah. Right. And now we've been married nine years, nine and a half years. Yeah. And time has flown by. Right. So tell us, you said a little bit about what you do. Tell us yeah. a little bit more about what kind of work you do. Uh, sure. Uh, so I am, you know, did my undergrad and my graduate program in finance. So I'm kind of a numbers guy dealing with money and um, making investments. But uh, what I really was passionate about was sustainability. And sustainability kind of means a lot of things to different people and, and what it, you know, what it entails. But really what I try to do is make the world a little bit of a better place um, through making financial decisions as a company. And I try to, to talk about the business case for sustainability, meaning um, I try to make the best uh, financial decision uh, while trying to improve the world at a very simple level. So give us a couple of examples of ways that you all are trying to do better as a food and beverage company. Yeah. So um, or projects that you're working on within... Yeah. Uh, one of the ones I'm really excited about is uh, some work that we're doing with some demo farms and, and agriculture. So not a lot of people really put the connection between, you know, food and beverage that are kind of packaged or that's, you know, readily available, that it actually comes from farms and from, you know, from the land. Um, so we do a lot of work with small farmer, smallholder farmers all over the globe, mostly in like India, Brazil, um, China and, and other places uh, in emerging markets. And we are really driving to um, improve the food systems there. So we help farmers learn about the benefits of, of um, you know, s- things like drip irrigation, so using a lot less water. Uh, we work with them to manage, um, you know, l- learn about global laws on, you know, child safety um, or, you know, child labor, so making sure that there's no child labor involved. Um, and we do a lot of work with, uh, you know, making sure that we reduce our carbon footprint with farming. So using things like cover crops. Um, what to, are cover crops? So <laughs> cover crops are basically instead of just using, um, you know, say it's like an apple plantation or apple orchard, uh, you would put other types of crops there so you don't have to use a lot of fertilizer and a lot of pesticides to, you know, produce a lot of apples. So we work with farmers to actually bring in different crops to help minimize the use of fertilizers and, and agrochemicals. To do it in a more natural, to uh, reduce pesticide use and to prevent pests in a more natural way. Yeah, because actually one of the largest uh, greenhouse gas emissions uh, in the world is actually agriculture. So we try to use our practices to help lower greenhouse gas that way. All right. So the next question comes from Tori and Tristan, and she said, are you still bitter about the placemats? (laughs) So let me give a little background on this. I've talked about this a little bit and early in, not even early in the journey, sort of like... Maybe about a year or so ago, I was washing the placemats on our table after a meal, which um, if you have small children and you have placemats, you know that you're usually washing the placemat and you're washing the table around the placemat because rarely does the mess actually stay on the placemat. And I realized all of a sudden I said, 
I asked him, because I didn't grow up using placemats. David grew up using placemats. His family is like very much a placemat family. Every meal, every snack, they have a placemat and a plate. My family never used placemats. I don't think we ever even owned placemats. So when we got married, we just adapted his way, which was placemats. And I was always fine with it until this. I had this revelation one day where I was washing the placemat, I was washing the table, and I said... Why? What are placemats for? And I realized that I had no idea what the fundamental use was, what what it was like, why people had placemats, which seems like a silly question. He's like, well, it's supposed to be so that you don't have to wash the table. You just have to wash the placemat and like the mess is contained. I'm like, but that never happens. So like I'm over the placemats and we got rid of the placemats and we are now for the time being a placemat-free family, but I'm kind of open to going back to placemats well, later in life. That I would say, though, that I think placemats serve a bigger purpose than just, you know, containing your scraps and food or whatever from the from the table so you can minimize. I do think, actually, they set the tone for meals. Like, I, I think they're actually pretty, they're nice aesthetically to, you know, put the, you know, you put the place down. It's very, like, a nice, again, routine, like... Everyone helps out, like the kids, like as a kid growing up, I knew that I, you know, someone had the job of setting the table and said part of setting the table was putting down placemats, putting down the silverware, the cup of water, you know, the the spoon, fork, all that good stuff. Um, And I think it just like sets a nice tone of saying like, okay, this is the time where we're going to sit down as a family and not just kind of like run around with like, you know, plates kind of like, okay, we're just going to throw it on the table and let's start eating. Like it sets kind of like a nice... I feel like it's a nice approach to like a very, it kind of defines the time for me. And that's kind of like my own personal history with it. But I know Danae is like looking no, at No, like, I, I agree with all that. I think that's all really lovely. I just think in execution, <laughs> like getting the food on the table is the priority and getting the food off the table and then like getting the children into the bathtub. Well, like I, hope, I feel like it just, it is get, more labor intensive. To me, it just creates like one more thing that I have to do. But I think as they get older, I think it does set a nice formality to, you know, it's not just like you're running in and out of, of, you know, kitchen and with food. So I think it'd be a nice thing to kind of have the kids, you know, come set the placemats and have a little bit of structure to our dinner. And, you know, but I, I know that's an uphill battle for me. So we'll see. But definitely, I will say for sure, I do get the placemats out for holidays. That's like a no, that's like a non start. I'll make, we okay. did save some placemats. Okay. But they are only used for holidays, yeah. exclusively used for holidays. But I'm open to using them again in the future. I'm not ruling out the use of placemats ever. But at this point in my life, I feel like I'm lighting my load a little bit by eliminating placemats. And um, I think we've just kind of come to agree that I'm playing the long game. There may be a I'm season playing the long game. I'm playing the long game. So I'm I'm gonna hold on to them and I'm gonna, you know, pick my battles when we can take them out and then we'll we'll see where it goes. All right. So Mrs. V Messer asked, do you did you have to did Danae have to convince you to simplify or were you totally on board? Oh, I was on board way before you were. Like I've been I I would think that I'm a minimalist at heart like born and raised see i feel like you were resistant at first well you were resistant that i was trying to tell you what to do uh, i don't know i don't know i think i was always on the i've always like loved having structure and order and you know clean things and like you know, I, that's just kind of like, like my spaces are pretty, like if you go to my office, like there's no papers like fluttered around, like it's like a mouse, a keyboard, 
you know, some pictures from the kids and rocks from them that we've picked up like over our travels or, you know, out in the woods. Um, but, you know, I, I tend to not have a lot of clutter. Like I just have always appreciated it. Maybe that was growing up too. Like my family has always been very like, you know, or at least, you know, my mother and father when they were growing up, it's like, you got to clean your room. And, you know, the every living space has to be like super, you know, spotless. And that was just kind of the way that we were. Um, that's how my parents were too. And it backfired. But I loved it. I embraced it. And I just like, I feel like, so I was ready for it, but I think it was kind of like an aha moment or maybe not aha, but like, as you were going through your journey to simplicity, I was like, yes, let's do this. Like, I'm so on board. I want to get rid of stuff. Let's, let's do this. Right. I remember one year for your birthday, pre-minimalism, one year for your birthday, I reorganized our coat closet when we lived in Chicago and surprised you with it. And you were like, you're so excited. <laughs> this is the best birthday ever. I know. I know. Um, but that didn't stick because organizing was not the solve for my problem. It was having less stuff was what I really needed. Yeah. Eventually the solution that I came to, and since we've gotten to that point, I would say that our house is generally pretty tidy, not perfectly tidy. Mm-hmm. And I don't strive for it to be perfectly tidy. Would you say that it's generally pretty tidy? Uh, it's gotten much better. Yeah, I would say it is. But I mean, there's def there's definitely like times you it's not. But it's I'd say it's definitely more tidy than it was. Call it four years ago or five years ago. And it's easy to clean up. So yeah, if things yeah. get out and it gets messy, it's really easy to put everything back into place. Yeah, but I remember when I first met you, you had like you would love going like TJ Maxx and just buying like a two dollar dress or deals. whatever it was, and coming back and. Like wearing it maybe like a half a night and then never wearing it again. Half a night? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I go with a half a night. Like I come home and change halfway through the night. Yeah. Maybe not that bad. <laughs> um, okay. So do you buy gifts for me? Oh, I, I used to more, but now you've been actually the one who's, who's kind of said like, hey, I, you know, you don't need to give me a gift. So like for your birthday, um, you know, I know this is airing later, but, you know, for your birthday coming up, uh, I typically don't buy you gifts because either you don't, you know, you won't wear them or you won't use them. And then I know that, you know, I feel like it's kind of not like a slight, but just like I didn't choose well enough, you know, or that you, it wasn't meaningful for you. Um, I think it's a good thing, though, you know, and it's almost like it makes it more difficult, though, like choosing things like it's experiences or you know, doing something nice for you, like cooking or, you know, decorating the house. Um, so I've definitely cut back a lot. The last gift that I remember giving you is probably after after my daughter was born. Really? What was it? It was a necklace. This necklace? Yeah. No, that was a Christmas gift. Oh, okay. <laughs> this one. Okay. But I wear it every single day. Yeah. yeah. Right? And I don't ever change it. And I guess that's like, for me, like, I'd rather have one thing that I really love and just wear it every day and not have to worry about changing it. Yeah. So it's not like I don't like the earrings that you bought me like two Christmases ago. It's just that I prefer to wear the earrings that I have that I wear most days. And it's just easier to stick with what's comfortable. And I don't go to the trouble to getting things out. And I also, I'm huge about function. And you bought me these two pairs of earrings that were like kind of hard to get into my ears. Like I actually had to be in front of a mirror to like get them in and get them hooked in. And they were just, they were kind of complicated. But from a design perspective, they were, they were amazing. (laughs) But from a function perspective, they weren't so much. And just the way that my brain works is that I'm always 
doing things as, as efficiently and simple as possible. And so yeah. to me, it has to be a special occasion to take the time to put earrings in. Cause usually I want earrings to take about like 0.5 seconds of my mental and physical energy. Yeah. So I feel like, but you also me, like from now, like wear. you definitely told me that. And so that's why if you want like a pair of earrings, you'll say, well, you know, I'm looking for something very simple or, you know, that yeah. I could use diamonds, you- really big diamond earrings. Oh yeah. That's <laughs> simple, <kidding>. right? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but Jen, I just like, don't really want gifts. Like I feel like I have everything that I need and I just really don't want for much. Which makes so. it super hard because like just but I, growing but up. But I'm also okay not getting gifts. Like it doesn't, I, I do not feel like my birthday has gone, come and gone and no one paid attention to me. To like, to me, I want you to make me a homemade birthday cake yeah. and I want you to say happy birthday, maybe get me a card, like, and that's it. That's really, truly all I want. And that makes me totally happy. All right. On to the next question. This question comes from Maggie. She asked, are you secretly a maximalist about anything? A maximalist? Oh, man. Reading the news. This is true. I was actually thinking <laughs> ugly knickknacks and watches, but... <laughs> well, well, watches are not that bad. I, like, there's one... I, I, so, with watches, I have four watches. But they all have... They're a milestone for a big moment in my life. So college, uh, grad school, and then my first kind of real job. Um, and then like a cheap one that I kind of throw around. So nothing like massive, but they're all like milestones. So I, that's very emotional and like a big thing. Um, knickknacks for sure. I love knickknacks. Knickknacks make the world go round, by the way. I, I think Most that- of the knickknacks I make him take to work because I just don't like looking at them. They're just like weird, like chickens and bowls and just things that I like... I don't know. They're, they're just fun. Like, they're they're fun, and they bring they spark joy. Right, but they don't me. spark joy in me <laughs> any joy at all. Uh, that is the one thing I. Well, I've gotten rid of a lot of knickknacks. That's the one thing I've kind of held on to is some of the knickknacks because they they they're always from travel, and so I always have like very fond memories of like either it was a small village I went to go get it or you know a market or whatever it may be, and so. But I've definitely cut back on knickknacks. Right. Always from travel, like when you travel to Target and buy stuff in the home section. Uh, maybe. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> often, yeah, I would say. Yeah. Um, he can't be yeah. trusted alone in the home section of Target. Which is so good. Some of the stuff, just like, it's incredible. Okay. All right. So ELP Pfeffer asked, what do you do for fun? ELP Pfeffer. <laughs> that's her instagram name oh okay got it i was like that's oh, i've never heard the name before that's interesting uh, sorry <laughs> so i didn't know that these were not just like names and like candles but actual okay i got it. Uh, i hope that's not a real name because now no, you just no. totally made her feel no like it's cool no, okay it would be really interesting <laughs> just like your name is kind of interesting but like danae like Danae? I think it's probably her initials. Like, yeah, 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 I get that. I get that. Sorry. Okay. There was no context. <laughs> we were just throwing out these these handles here. Uh, sorry. The question was, what do I like to do for fun? Um, I, I like to just be active. Like, I, I get really antsy if I just sit around for too long. And so uh, I bike a lot. Um, we have some gorgeous roads, uh, both uh, you know, on the pavement and gravel. So I go cycling. When I can, it's been fewer and further between just time and, you know, life. Um, I'll do the Peloton with you. I jump on the Peloton. I work out. Um, also, I don't know, just 
I watch the occasional sports game. You know, I'm a hometown Washington D.C. sports guy, so anything that's around you know sports. So Nationals are on right now, so been cheering for them. But I don't know. Um, they're just kind of the big areas. Okay. And I feel like I used to view fitness as recreational for you, but I've come to discover, and I kind of talked about this in, um, I don't know what the number of the podcast episode was, but it was the episode on um, why do kids turn into zombies after too much screen time? We talked a little bit about dopamine seekers and how you're a dopamine seeker, how you really need that boost of dopamine to really feel good and to, it impacts your mood. Yeah. So, and I found that I, need I, to work I, out. I, I like you better. When you <laughs> I need to work out for sure. Like I am a different person if I don't work out. Um, and sometimes and, it's a lot like a three hour bike ride or something yeah, like that. Yeah. But, but uh, I kind of I, like I enjoy the endorphins after a long run or a long bike, and how that you know kind of makes you feel afterwards. And I am a thrill, thrill seeker, so I like to kind of push the edges of you know like I love snowboarding, and um, you know if it's anything to do with speed and you know a little bit of like vertigo, like I'm I'm game. So so that brings me to my next question, oh, which yeah. is: Are there any activities that you want to do that Danae says no to? Oh man, where's the list so, begin? I know. <laughs> So I was, I did, or I do, have my private pilot's license. So I would eventually like to fly again. But Danae is like, hard no. Well, I just really like you alive. I know. And that's Um, kind of just the gist of my interest in these, saying no to these activities, (laughs) is that I like you alive. Yeah. So anything that you could possibly die doing, like hella skiing, like that's a hard no. That's definitely on my bucket list that I will do. Okay. Like for sure. After we'll I die, you can do it. Okay. So that I don't. We'll, we'll talk about that. But I die first, then you could do it. No, like, you know, heli skiing would be something that's a dream, like, you know, dream maybe. For anyone that doesn't know what heli skiing is, it's where a helicopter takes you to the top of a really large mountain and just drops you off. And you hope that you can make your way down on, on skis <laughs> or a snowboard, I would assume, yeah. is what you probably want, would yes. want to do. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, like everything else, I'd love to go parasailing. We did uh, parasailing, paragliding, paragliding. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Um, bungee jumping, but I don't. I mean, now I feel like I, I wouldn't actively seek those out. I mean, I get my thrills with like going along bike rides, for example. Um, I don't know. There's not, not a lot of other stuff that you would say like no, except for a couple of things I mentioned. Okay. So does it take you convincing to get on board with some of Danae's parenting ideas? And this question comes from Stephanie. Like, give me an example. Uh, so positive parenting. Because we were both mm. raised in pretty traditional authoritarian households, kind of the right. you do what I say because I said yeah. so sort of mentality. So yeah. getting on board with sort of being more respectful and... Um, listening and being gentler with our kids. I wouldn't say that took more convincing. I think for me, what I am still learning is how best to actually act on it. You know, like I I think because you've internalized a lot of the the actions and like what the reasoning behind it, you're much more able to like in the heat of a moment or, you know, throughout the course of a day to actually implement like tactics on, on how best to, to use those philosophies. Like I'm definitely on board with the philosophies and I, and I think, you know, they make sense and, and I truly value them. But I think for me, because my frame of reference is such that, you know, I had that more authoritative 
uh, parenting style, you know, my parents were more authoritative. Um, nothing's not bad. It's just, that's how I was raised. So my, you know, reference point of like, how do I approach situations is different. And so I have to, you know, I'll go to you and say like, after the fact, like, how could I have handled that better? Or, you know, you may say like, Hey, this, this might be another different approach. And, but I think we, we work pretty well with that. And, um, I definitely am open to positive parenting, but, uh, I mean, that's kind of the one that's been, again, more like a journey for, for yeah. me, I'd say. And I think you've noticed a big difference in the way, especially our oldest, our son reacts to you differently if you use a more authoritarian approach versus if you use a positive approach. Yeah, for sure. And you've just seen that it's more successful. Yeah. Like he reacts so much better to that type of parenting as opposed to like, you do what I think. Like, I mean, <laughs> and I think like yeah. looking kid yeah. to kid, I think our daughter responds to a little bit more firmness. I wouldn't yeah. say we're authoritarian at all with her, but... Um, I think we're a little bit firmer with her and she responds more to a little bit. I think she just needs a, her boundaries to be a little bit more firm yeah. for lack of better words. Yeah. Um, and I think our son is just more sensitive and he reacts just more reactionary. Well, I think he, he definitely feels the, he's more aware emotionally so that yeah. he feels he's a that, feeler for yeah, sure. Yeah. Like really in tune with emotions yeah. and like the minute we start feeling heated or angry, he's heated and angry. And then it's just a big hot mess. (laughs) And then it spirals. Right, exactly. So I think that the other question that I got from several people was this idea of what happens when things come up when we we disagree on Hmm. on parenting. Like what what happens then? I think it depends on what it is. Um, I think, I mean, we definitely talk about it. Like if it's something that we like, have fundamental disagreements on and i don't think there's that many things i'm like honestly i'm trying to think of one where i just say like no i i think you're wrong um i think we definitely talk a lot about you know the way we approach parenting the way kind of like our family values and what's what's important i think we communicate a lot on that um i think if we when we do have disagreements it's more of it's usually, I would say, honestly, it's you, like you have a way of looking at parenting, like an approach to like behavior or, um, or, you know, something that I just don't, I'm not fully educated on. And so I'm just looking for more resources. Like I'm, you know, a finance guy. I like data. I like to be fully informed of any decision before like diving into it, like unaware. And so I think the big thing that that we work on or, you know, that that you help inform me is by like giving articles or like giving a little bit more of like the why instead of just saying like, hey, this is how we're going to do it. And I think for me, that's what I look for. And um, and I'd say that's where I lean to you to give me a little bit of of more educational resources Mm because, you know, I look for that. It's just there's some irony in this because there's some people listening that actually send this podcast to their husbands as an educational <laughs> resource. But I had just have to make sure that everybody knows that I have to find outside educational resources. <laughs> yeah. Because it's interesting. Like I think about like when you tell me, oh, you know, like this is a great way of approaching like X or Y or Z like issue. Then I'll say, and okay, you're like, like why? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> like I know your I know your background, and you're able to to do that. It's just it's interesting that like, I for some reason I think that maybe like you have this bias, you know, of like your own kids. I mean, I don't know. Like, I just I love external validation, and I love to be. It's like, you know, check your assumptions and and make sure that I feel fully informed and not just like a on a gut reaction, especially with our kids. 
but I trust you. Okay, this question comes from Daily Hallie, and she asked, how does parenting with an expert affect you? So I, like in my work, I love working with experts because I try, like I'm more open to learning about new things. And so, so I definitely appreciate a perspective that's, that is, you know, steeped in education or, you know, maybe not education, but um, in experience and knowledge. And so I, I actually appreciate it. So I leverage and lean on, you know, people that I work with that may have like 20 plus years in their functional expertise or, you know, 10 plus years that I don't. And so I actually appreciate the learning uh, opportunity when talking to different people in their fields. So I, I enjoy it. Okay. From Ludovica, she asked, what advice would you give for parenting to fellow dads? What advice? Oh, so actually I've never, I've never really talked, like no one's, no guy's going to be like, oh, like do you have any, except for like in passing, you'd be like, oh, give me like, do you have a piece of word of wisdom for advice? But I'm never like, yeah, but I'm not like with my like guy friends are like, tell me the most sane, you know, like yeah. sage wisdom that you have. And, you know, we list them out one, two, three. So I actually had to write them down. So the ones that I had, uh, I had three. So the first one was celebrate small victories. Like, I think it's like, it's kind of like a little like cliche, like sometimes in the business world, you're like, oh, celebrate this small victory. But I think it really like makes an impact. Um, you don't have to like celebrate big milestones. And I think um, it just keeps up like positive mood and, you know, you, you celebrate the little things that may bring you joy. So it's just having that sense of like gratitude and, um, being aware of the little things that are impactful and, um, that are, that are meaningful. And so they don't have to be, you know, like the first time your kid jumps. I mean, yeah, it's important, but, um, you know, it could be something as small as, you know, saying thank you, you know, or, you know, doing something kind for another kid. Like, I think that that's really, um, it's nice. It's kind of stake stock of that, of those kind of things. Uh, the second one is actually a kid. So it's kind of fun being a kid, like having kids and like acting like a kid again. And so I think, um, I enjoy like goof around my kids. Like, so in work, I don't know, I, I tend to be a pretty goofy person especially around my kids. Like I make a lot of noise, like animal noises and um, I like to like jump on, you know, around and crawl on the floor. And so, and I enjoy that. Like that's how I actually like, I feel like I engage and interact with my kids. And, um, so I feel like, you know, don't feel afraid to act a little goofy and have fun with your kids and act like a kid sometimes. Uh, last one is fully embrace your kids' passions. I think, um, you know, I've always been someone who, you know, yeah, I played sports growing up and I really appreciate sports and, um, but it's okay if my kids don't play sports, you know? And so like my daughter loves like ballet and horses and unicorns. And so it's like, all right, I'm going to fully like go in and like pretend to be a unicorn and like try ballet, you know, like, like dance around with her and, and have fun with her. And, uh, and with my son, like he's really into, you know, playing with, you know, cars and Legos and Transformers or whatever it may be and, and just playing down, uh, you know, on his level and playing with him and fully embracing it. And, um, you know, I talk about like nature and all the cool little like um, little creatures and mini creatures that, that, that are out there. And uh, I enjoy that. So those are my, I guess, pieces of advice I have. 
All right, this comes from Carrie, and she said, do you contribute equally to the childcare and taking care of the house? Hmm. Uh, So with childcare, I would say probably not, just because given my hours, like work hours, uh, during the week. But definitely on the weekends, I'd say absolutely. Um, I try to like pick up slack where I can. Like in the mornings, I always do breakfast. Um, and I always like clean up after you know dinner. I tend to come home usually after you guys have dinner because they're having dinner at like five thirty or something. Um, so I'll tend to kind of pick up on the on the back end. But usually, I'd say on the weekends, it's you know I try to pick up a little bit more that where I can. Um, but I'd say, I don't know, 50, 50 or a little bit more on the weekends. On the weekends. Yeah. I think yeah. when you're here, but I guess that's just a matter of, because I work from home, I'm here so much more often. So yeah. I guess if you look at the whole divide, then no, I wouldn't say it's equal. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, like during the week. No, because I'm not here during the week. And yeah. With the kids. And I think because you're not here during the week, it also is a little bit more difficult for you to know what needs done. And I think I spent a long time getting frustrated about you not just like knowing what needs to be done. And I've just come to the conclusion that if I need you to do something, I need to ask you to do it. I can't just sit around expecting you to know what needs to be done. I need to ask you or I need to write it down. I need to make a list. And I think once I gave up that battle of this, you should just know what to do. Um, Then you actually started doing things because you made it clear that you have to tell me exactly what you want done when you want it done or make me a list of things and... I think that took a long time, I guess, to sort of hash that out. Yeah. From KW Moeller, that's the Instagram handle. That's not <laughs> Thanks. His Thanks or her for name. clarifying. She Sorry said, how saying. did you feel about homeschooling the kids? Uh, so actually, I was at first a little hesitant, but I think the main reason why I was a little hesitant was because for me, a big part of growing up was a social interaction, like having that, um, that variety of social interaction, having like a diverse, um, a diverse amount of, of kids and, you know, types of kids and, and just also just having that dynamic of, you know, conflict resolution on, on playgrounds and in school. And and so for me, my main concern was always, are they going to get enough social interaction uh, and repetitive social interaction that they feel comfortable and that they can establish really strong bonds with kids outside of, outside of our home. Um, that's something that like, I know we're still working through in, in term. Well, it seems like so far he has a great routine, you know, and, um, our daughter is doing well, you know, where she is right now too. And so I feel like they they're satisfying that, but I think it may get a little more complex in the future, but um, I think for right now, I know like from an educational standpoint, like I know that, you know, you're, they're in obviously good hands with you, um, you know, helping them with the curriculum and, and working through the, the kind of the explore, the exploration phase of their learning. Right. So not just making it learning out of a textbook, but really integrating it into everything that they do, whether it's, you know, play or whether it's reading and, and a lot of other things. So I'm fully on board, but uh, I definitely, yeah, the social interaction thing is something that I'm still trying to get fully behind. Um, but I think through whether it's like team sports or whether it's uh, music lessons uh, or just other activities that are out there, uh, I think that's definitely something that will that seem to satisfy it. Okay. So the next question is from Monica. She said, what do you disagree on? Oh man. I don't know. Besides music, 
Oh, music, yeah. Well, no, we mostly agree on music, but I uh, really don't. I'm not a fan of classic rock. I'm very eclectic with my music taste. I'm, I'm eclectic too. I no, just no, really no, no, don't no. like like alternative rock. I'm like I'm eclectic to the point of like you know classical to like reggaeton. Yeah, okay, EDM, you're a little bit more rock. diverse than I am. Hip hop, nineties hip hop, like you know, flamenco, like basically anything and everything. It just depends on the mood. Like I'll listen to it depending on the mood. You're very much in like alt rock. I just like quiet <laughs> most of the time. Like I just really like quiet. Like if we're in the car, my first choice is yeah. just listening to silence. I, I actually try to push music on the kids a little bit more. Like in the car, that's something we like, or that's a recent disagreement. I think is like yeah. I love to listen to music in the car or just li- like. L- give exposure to them on music and you're like you know just if they want to listen to like a podcast like let them listen to a podcast yeah i just for me i mean and maybe it's part of the way that my brain works because it is so busy that like the silence is welcome and for you because your brain is a little bit quieter like you need and you do need a little bit more extra noise like you fall asleep like watching not watching tv but like you like to have a little bit more I like background noise background like, noise yeah. yeah okay that's I what like i'm background you noise. like background yeah, noise and yeah, i yeah. despise background noise even if it's just like a fan running in a room like it drives me bonkers. oh i'm all about the the white uh white noise oh no, 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 no i can't handle that like my computer is making this humming uh, noise yeah. right now and it's just driving me it. crazy i love it yeah. So, I, and maybe that's kind of what underlies that just kind of a natural inclination towards noise. noise. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just kind yeah. of a sensory aversion or yeah. sensory, sensory seeking towards it. Yeah. Okay. So, very last question is from Zoe. And she said, What is your best tip for a long lasting marriage? I'll answer this too. Do you want me to go first? Or do you want to go first? Uh, you go first. Okay. So, for me, it has been really developing my own emotional intelligence. I think when I think about emotional intelligence, I think about self-awareness and um, understanding how my actions and my words impact the people that I'm in relationships with. And I think that's been really, really important because I can really step back and examine how uh, what I'm bringing to the table and how that impacts my relationship with you. So for me, it's been self-awareness and emotional intelligence and really working on that. And I think that the more I work on myself and the better emotionally healthy that I am, the better partner that I'm going to be and the more, the easier to get along with I'm going to be. Hmm. All right. Uh, you know, you hear a lot about it. It was like listening, but I feel like I've definitely tried to listen more intently to you. Cause like in the past I'd be like, yeah, 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 I gotcha. I gotcha. Like I'm just, I'll like have a TV on or like I'll be reading something and like, kind of like, half listening to you like half being like okay as long as i just like get out of this you, you know? pretend, pretend listening oh yeah yeah like and i kind of give you like the head nod and smile and like yeah, yeah yeah i'm with you um but i think like i think in the long run um actually listening a little bit more um intently and, and being more engaged uh, that's helped for sure Right. And I think with just practice and with time, it's that's gotten better. And I think for me, I used to just start talking and expect that you were listening if you were in the room. And I've figured out with time that that's not true. Like if you are thinking about something else or if you're looking at something else and I start talking, you might not hear me. That I actually have to like touch your arm or get your attention first before I start talking to make sure that you're hearing me. Because I'm very like visual. So like if I'm like reading something, like I get really into reading and like I get, I cannot be distracted and I need to like, you know, I'll be like thinking about, you know, if someone's 
describing like a scene, like I'll try to put myself there and I get really into um, topics or things that I'm doing. Uh, and so like you'll come in like, hey, there's this great idea and I want you to listen to it and like this might be something great. And I'm like, whoa. And I tell you the whole about, story. No, I tell you the whole story. Yeah. And then you're like, I wasn't listening. <laughs> and then I have to start again. Or you'll, yeah, you'll like have. You don't ever say time out. You always just like let me get through the whole thing. You'll and like just spout like, out uh, like war and peace and I'll be like, I'm sorry, what what, what were we talking about? <laughs> but then I also see this with the kids too. Like they'll come up to you and be like, Papa. Papa, Papa. But then when and I'm like, connected, then it's right. Like, but it I'm just, there. and I think that that's going to just kind of be a learning curve. Like they're just going to have to learn yeah. that they really need to get your attention before they start talking. And I think that's another thing that I always used to think, like, why can't you just listen? And I just like this is it's just part of who you are and part of the way that you communicate. And I think having a relationship with someone is really starting to understand not only yourself but them too, yeah. and adapting your ways to them. Um, because I know that you're not necessarily always going to be clued in on what I need or what needs done. And I have to be vocal about it. And I'm at the point in my life, I guess, where I'm like mature and okay asking for what I need. Yeah. And I think this is kind of goes without saying, and I think you hear it again as well, but I think keeping it fun and like spending very intentional time together, you know, without the kids, I think it definitely helps. Um, it's fun. Like I enjoy it because, you know, I decided to marry you and, you know, spend my life with you. So I feel like having that time to ourselves that we could just, you know, kind of disconnect from not just like the kids, but also like work and, you know, just other things. I feel like in having that time just to talk about life and talk about each other. And like, I think it's, it's really helpful. And I like really enjoy those times. Uh, so I think like, Carving out those little moments when you can and like having the date night, like that's fun. I enjoy yeah. it. And I think also with the kids too. Like I think that the weekends come and I'm very, very, like I'm very guarded about the time that we have with the four of us. Yeah. In yeah. that I want to make sure that we have that and I'm not going to plan like a million activities where you need to be socializing with one person and I need to be socializing with the other and like the kids are there. And I feel like I would much rather it be low key where we can connect with each other and maybe do an activity or socialize with other people, but not where we're being pulled in a million directions and feeling overwhelmed. So I feel like protecting that time, that family time is really important to me. Yeah. too. I agree. Good. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Not a problem. The enigma has been solved. I hope you'll be continue (laughs) listening to the podcast. For, uh, yeah, I may listen to you once a week. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> and hopefully you'll start listening to me more than once a week. Yeah, I think once a week is a good, good tempo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed that casual conversation with my husband. And if you enjoy the Simple Families podcast, you can go ahead and hit subscribe or go to simplefamilies.com and enter your email address. The email list is really the best way to stay in touch with everything going on on the blog, podcast, and in the community. Thank you for tuning in. And when you have a minute, leave a rating and or review on iTunes. That helps this show to reach more people. Have a good one.